Welcome to Tooth and Claw Podcast. I'm Jeff Larson. We got my wildlife biologist brother, we think. Nah, we know. We Wes think Larson. I'm your brother or we think I'm a wildlife biologist? <laughs> Which one of those? We think both, we think both things. Yeah, we know and... one of them. We'll let you guys guess which one. <laughs> and we got, I'm at Wes's house. Hey, Jack. Hey, look at that. Yep, yep, yep. I thought you were just and trying then... to copy him like you usually do, but you're actually there. <laughs> you didn't just do interior decoration in order to be more like your older brother. Well, I'm kind of copying him by being in his house because he's always here. Yeah, that's is true. Jesse there? Hardly ever there, actually. Jesse is here. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. He tried. He tried sleeping in our bed last night. I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I drew the line there. Jesse was into it. <laughs> Mike, you're here too. Hey, what's up? Mike's here. Mike Smith, the one and only Mike Smith. Yep, the only one in the entire world. We looked it up. Oh man, I wish. There's no others. Hey, all you, you listeners are... out there, if you know any other Mike Smiths, just kill them for me. Kill I want to be the one and only. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a couple millions. But... <laughs> I think we can do it. Some someday we're gonna come like we're doing our news episode today. Sooner or later we're gonna yeah. come across a Mike Smith victim, and that's gonna be uh, an interesting oh, day yeah, for us. Probably we could probably just Google Mike Smith the animal, animal attack. attack. We can do yeah, that right true. now. Have like a year's Dual. worth of content. We should do a whole news episode <laughs> just on Mike Smiths that have been attacked by animals. Oh uh, yeah, vicious cow attack in Huntsville, Michael Smith. <laughs> Dang. Really? Yeah. Ooh, that's <laughs> Cow, too. That's, I know. Yeah, that's close to home. Yeah, I was going to look up news stories to share, but then I ended up just looking up. I, I mean, I found a thread of celebrities that have cheated on each other. So oh. then I just looked at that yeah, instead. Yeah, that's much more that's interesting. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. A lot of them cheat. Who are some notable ones? Well, oh, wait. Who was that dude who, that country singer who just like told everyone on Twitter that if he doesn't oh. agree with them, they should die. Jason Aldean? Yeah, Jason Aldean. Yeah, like he wrote real, the really racist song. He's like a real stand-up guy, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not so. so much. He cheated on his wife, and then he's trying to tell us to be... Better. You know? Yeah. Get out of Whatever. here, Jason Aldean. Stay out of my mentions, right? So that one was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not going to cheat with you on his wife. He's always up in there in my mentions, though. Mentioning yeah. me. Uh, uh, Adam Levine had a pretty bad one. Oh, I remember uh, that. That was all yeah. up in the news, too. He like named his, was his embarrassing. kid after the person he cheated on her with. Yeah. Oh, gosh. He, he was all desperate <laughs> in her. Yeah, that was a weird one. It's just yeah. <laughs> it's inconsiderate. It's got bad tattoos, too. Yeah, you got more? The Kristen Stewart one's a classic because she was with Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. Who'd she and cheat on him with again? It was like the director the of the director. Twilight movies, right? Oh. Yeah. That was It wasn't messy. a werewolf. <laughs> I thought it was a wolf. Probably had a couple <laughs> werewolves you know, in there. Well, they all kind of cheat if you count the movies they kiss other people in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that counts. Uh, oh, yeah, that the guy that's that was dating the new Little Mermaid, uh, Haley, I forget her name, but he was dating the girl that plays the new Little Mermaid. And he did this big public rant about how she was cheating on him because she was kissing her co-star and stuff. No way. Yeah. That's some Jonah Hill energy there. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh man. We got so much. Um, this is now a celebrity gossip podcast. The one that, the one that like got me started on it was freaking Ariana Grande cheated on her oh, yeah. fiance with the SpongeBob voice. Yeah. And the guy looks like SpongeBob, too. <laughs> 
All right. I just probably didn't say <laughs> oh, that. Oh, man. So good. Um, You know, we got way sidetracked, but yeah, we were talking my about my house. You guys are considering moving nearby, right? We've been thinking about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to keep gently prodding you to do that because it'd be nice to have you in my neighborhood here in Montana. Be, you know, it's always fun when we're all together. It is. It's the best. I saw four skunks yesterday. Oh, nice. Good job, Jeff. You know, I understand why people get sprayed by them. Because they're cute? Because they're just, just so stinking cute. Yeah, exactly. Stinking cute? And they cute. weren't like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they weren't like super fast, so I felt like I could have got close to them. Oh, yeah. they were all together. Yeah. It wasn't like four separate sightings. It was like a mom with three little baby skunks. Four separate still sightings cool, would be impressive. And they all had I really their wanted it to be that. <laughs> tails up. This is the best I've ever seen skunks. I was pretty excited. Well, speaking of little miso carnivores, I saw six raccoons in, in our neighbor's yard last night. So we're just seeing all sorts they of little cute? critters around. They were. Yeah. One of them, I Any backed babies? up because I wasn't sure what they were. Yeah, it was a mom and her mid-sized baby. You still wish you were in their family? Oh, yeah. Raised oh, by yeah. raccoons. Yeah. The mom, like, stood up on her hind legs and watched me, though, as I drove by. It was pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah. She I might love have raccoons. known you. You've owned, like, ten raccoons. I've had a few, but... Uh, <laughs> well, should we get into this? Should we do our news episode? It's been a minute since our last one. Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Our last one was with the Nature's Metal guy. Uh, but Oh, yeah. Now he's not here. It's just the three of us. So <laughs> he's too metal for us. Yeah, he's he was yeah. like, Hey, you guys aren't metal enough. So so it's just the three of us. But let's yeah. get into it. I'm okay. gonna do I'm gonna I'm gonna start because there's one that I wanted to lead with that just happened that we're already starting to get a lot of people asking about. It's one that's really close to home for me, so I just wanted to start with it. Are you guys ready? Ready. Let's do it. All right. So recently, uh, I believe this was Saturday morning. So that would have been the 22nd. Let me double check that really quick. It was because me and me and Wes have Hawaiian cousins in town. And me and all of our Hawaiian cousins and my parents were in Yellowstone the 21st. Oh, that's the right. The day before this happened. Okay. So on the morning of the 22nd, a woman was killed by a grizzly bear just outside of Yellowstone National Park in West Yellowstone. Uh, there's not a ton of information yet. I have been in contact with some uh, coworkers out there and learned a little bit more about it. But as far as stuff that's out and available to the public, there's not a lot. There was a 48-year-old woman. Her name was Amy Adamson. She was a teacher that had taught English for two decades in her hometown of Derby, Kansas. And then she got burnt out. She left the profession to start hiking around the country and she even wrote a book about her decision to leave and her subsequent adventures while hiking. And her body was found on the Buttermilk Creek Trail in West Yellowstone with injuries consistent with the grizzly bear attack. And then they did find both adult and cub tracks around the site. So they're very confident that this was a female with cubs. Whoever Unfortunately, named all this stuff at Yellowstone is just the hungriest person ever. Buttermilk Creek Trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be a weird thing to be super hungry Soda for, Springs, yeah. Cook City. That's true. Yeah. Maybe a bear named it. They seem pretty hungry. Yeah. She didn't have bear spray with her. Um, she didn't. There was no sign <laughs> of feeding. She says yeah to that. Yeah, well, I, it, this is a very new one. Uh, there's no sign of feeding on her. So the general consensus is that this was a defensive attack, that she was killed quite quickly by just like really 
brutal attack injuries and then exsanguination too. So I will say, you know, the one, What's I think the one. Exsanguination? Exsanguination is bleeding out. out. Oh, okay. So I will say like the one comfort I think her family and friends can take is that this wasn't a really prolonged attack from what it seems. It wasn't like the bear sat on her and ate her. And we've talked about that, how that's really like the worst possible way that you can go. This seems much more like a really brutal, really defensive attack where she likely surprised this female with cubs and the female just hit her with everything it had to get her to stop. And again, like if if they do the same, they treat us the same way they treat other bears. So if that were another bear, that bear would probably like limp away from that interaction being like, well, I need to avoid this female. You know, she means business. But for a human, we're so soft and it's so easy for them to injure us that that kind of attack can be completely devastating to us. So unfortunately, that's that's what happened. She didn't have bear spray with her, which who knows like how quickly this whole thing unfolded. If she did, it likely could have saved her life. Game wardens did place traps on Saturday. This did take place outside of the park. So this isn't park personnel that's directly involved with this, although they're probably assisting It'll be university or not university. It'll be Montana state game wardens that are doing this and they're trying to trap the bear. They started trapping on Saturday, but it's gone. You know, we're recording now on Tuesday. They still haven't caught this bear. So pretty soon they'll probably pull those traps because the likelihood of catching that same bear goes less and less. And the likelihood of catching a bear that's not responsible goes up and that just creates problems for them. This is a area that's close to West Yellowstone. So they don't necessarily want to draw new bears into that area um so pretty soon they'll probably stop trapping if they do catch her i'm pretty confident this is a bear they'll euthanize if this had taken place in the park in a really wild area of the park and it was someone hiking alone without bear spray and a female with cubs killed that person in a defensive attack there's a chance that bear would be granted a, a reprieve because it's the national park. It's a place where you're supposed to be ready for those kind of interactions. It's wild. This took place really close to a city, and it's a really big liability for them to leave that bear out there. And right. we're talking about the greater Yellowstone ecosystem where there's probably close to a thousand grizzly bears now. They're pretty much at carrying capacity is what we think. So while this bear, you know, inherently its life is precious, as far as its like contribution to the population, it's not as important as it would be if this were like a population that was really struggling because this is a female bear. So like, for example, the, the bear that we talked about in Italy last time, that's a really small population. And that's a bear that you don't necessarily want to have to remove because it's a producing female bear. Here yeah. in Yellowstone, it is a decision you can make because there are so many bears in the population. How many so well. how many bears live like outside of the park and how far does that go out? So inside the park, we think we have about 175 grizzly bears. And outside of Yellowstone, then there's in total in that ecosystem, there's about a thousand. So really only oh, a wow. small percentage live inside the park. There's a lot that live in southwestern Montana, that live in Wyoming, in Grand Teton. There's a number of bears, so they're spread out. Yeah. But again, this is like, I think we're in a really good place where we can make those kinds of decisions and removing problem animals in a way is a conservation measure because the public knows that you're then dealing aggressively with animals that could be dangerous and they then feel like these problems are kind of being taken care of. And then that behavior isn't necessarily like passed on to more and more cubs, which can happen. Yeah. So 
Because these cubs watch their mom attack somebody too. Yeah. And like it is it is different when it's a feeding thing. Like that's definitely a bear that gets removed. Defensive is kind of like a little bit more nuanced, but I do think in this case they'd be justified in, in getting rid of her, unfortunately. I've been thinking about and like I kinda think that if a person's in grizzly bear country without bear spray, like it's the bear's right to be able to attack them and we have something that will protect them. Yeah. So I kind of think like if they don't have bear spray, we should let the bears live. Yeah. And I, I know that like I don't disagree with you. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like we got to have people start using bear spray everywhere. Like that's yeah. the real in grizzly you know? country especially. Mm-hmm. I I don't disagree with you. I do think I think the main issue here isn't so much putting blame Obviously, like, we're not going to put blame on her. Like, you know, no. this is, a, like, a terrible thing. But, like, there is something you could have done to help There's, yourself. Yeah. And, like, hopefully people can learn from this experience. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I think the main reason why they'll probably, if they catch this bear, they'll probably make the decision to remove her isn't so much like, uh, oh, this bear is a bad bear. It's more of a liability issue. Yeah. So, like and we've talked about this before. Themselves. In yeah. case they attack someone else. Right. If they let this bear go and then it attacks someone else, that person has like, or their family has a really good legal standing to sue for a lot of money. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway. I'm just, I'm the mindset where I'm going to think of any way to keep the bear, you know? Yeah, I agree. I was wondering what the process looked like, and I hope this isn't too much of like a morbid street to go down, but like, what does the process look like when you euthanize a bear? Is it like they catch it and it's pretty immediate that they put it down or do they move it somewhere or is there like a what trial? What they would do <laughs> put is it on because, trial. kind of in a way, because they have obviously like the victim's body and some DNA evidence there, they would catch the bear and then they would test it against hairs, saliva, whatever other evidence they find on the body to make sure that they have the right bear. And then once they're positive, they have the right bear, they would humanely euthanize her. So that generally either involves an injection or uh, like the no country for old men cattle bolt thing oh. that the guy uses. It's really humane. You just, it, you, it's like an air bolt. You just put it against the mm. head and it shoots a bolt into the head. It's how they kill cattle. So it's an immediate death. Um, I didn't know that was a real thing. Yeah. Those are the two things that I, in this ecosystem, at least in the, in the Yellowstone ecosystem, those are generally the two ways that, and, and if it's an, it's a situation where you don't have a bear in a trap, but maybe it's in a snare or something, then they would use a 12 gauge of slugs. So if you ever kill anyone, Mike, you just got to put your DNA on some, on a grizzly bear's claws. Not your DNA, their DNA, and frame it. Yeah. Oh, sure. yeah, okay. No, that's actually <laughs> that's a good enough. plan. Yeah. <laughs> but before we leave this one, I obviously just wanted to say it's, it's terrible for the victim. You know, our hearts go out to their family. This isn't a way that anyone ever expects to lose a loved one. But it does really sound like Amy had found Besides her passion. mom with you. Yeah, that's true. Besides mom. <laughs> um, it does sound like Amy had really found her passion and was really truly doing what she loved when when she died. So yeah. um, I'm a big fan of people following their passions, you know. Yeah. So lately I've been getting into gardening and the thing I've been growing is mint. I really like mint because I put it in my morning green juice. I just think it's a refreshing thing to have in the morning. But something I've learned as I've gotten more into gardening is that dirt can be really expensive. But luckily now I have a Lomi. 
Lomi transforms my garbage into gold at the push of a button. It's a countertop electric composter that turns my food scraps to dirt in under four hours. I have a lot of food scraps too. I travel quite a bit. I buy food that sometimes goes to waste. Rather than just throw that in the trash and have it end up in the landfill where it's going to produce methane gas, I put it in my Lomi. Four hours later, I have dirt. It's really changed the way that I look at my food waste. It's made gardening a lot more fun and a lot more affordable. It feels really great to know that I'm creating soil instead of waste, and I have basically a limitless supply of dirt for my garden. So, whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com backslash tooth and use promo code tooth to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 when you head to Lomi.com slash tooth and use promo code tooth at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so that's it for my first story. Who wants to go next? Uh, Yeah, I'll go. I have a bear one, but I'll save that since we just did a bear. Mix it up a little, you know? Just teasing us then? Yeah. So I'm going to do a prairie rattlesnake. Okay. So on June 16th, this happened on June 16th. So Mike and Wes, you're riding on your bike and you fall off. What would you least want to fall onto? Uh, An atom bomb. Oh, man, that was my answer. <laughs> Shoot. A black hole? <laughs> okay. Well, no, those are better answers. What what, what animal would you least want to fall on? Um, a hundred of those spiny puffer fish. Mike? I had... <laughs> Porcupine. An uh, orca. Well, maybe I shouldn't set that up because those are maybe worse um, than this. A prairie rattlesnake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay. Ethan Vogel and his father, Zach Vogel, were going for an evening ride on the trails in the North Table Mountains in Golden, Colorado on June 6th. So I guess Sixth it was or 16th. <laughs> yeah. Because you made 6th. it very clear earlier that this happened on the 16th. <laughs> yeah. The article was on the 16th. Oh, man. They get you that way, don't they? Yeah. So he's riding and Ethan clips a boulder and tumbles off his bike like about an hour and a half into their ride. Okay. So he starts looking for wounds and then he sees two puncture wounds and he starts to quickly lose feeling in his face and hands. He landed on a 30-inch prairie rattlesnake sitting beside the trail that bit him in the torso near his armpit. Jeez. Oh, weird. Yeah. So he only saw the snake once he got back up, and he was hoping it was a thorn at first, but then he heard the rattle and kind of started piecing it all together. He was like, Mm -hmm. thorns Um, don't do that. (laughs) Thorns don't rattle. Um, So the snake obviously... Didn't really expect this to come either, right? Right. So it injected a lot of venom, and Ethan began throwing up. His heartbeat picked up. He lied down, and his heartbeat picked up to 165 beats per minute. Oh, gosh. Hmm. You know, that's pretty fast. But he was riding a bike for an hour and a half. Yeah, too. I was going to say, I feel like when I work out really <laughs> hard, mine gets up to about 160. So his dad called for help. And they waited for 20 minutes, and then Ethan was taken to St. Anthony Hospital in Littletown. Littleton. And he was given 16, it's called Littletown, I think. Is there a W in there? Littletown? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And given West. six, my, <laughs> my autocorrect even corrected it to Littleton. Okay. And I had to go back in and Am I your autocorrect? Littletown. 
Is that what you call me <laughs> you, now? You're working, yeah. <laughs> and he's given 16 doses of anti-venom. So that got me thinking. That's a lot. We should just increase how big one dose of anti-venom is with rattlesnakes, right? Because it's always like 15. Or like, doses. yeah. 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 <laughs> That's true. Like, it would be like if you were in a lot of pain and they were like, okay, I'm going to give you a 20th of a dose of morphine. Like, yeah. maybe you just give, give me all of it yeah. like a maybe i just want all 20 at once um no but ethan ended up taking a few days to recover and was looking forward to getting back on his mountain bike and when they hear a rattle they just are going to give him space but that's smart when you fall off your bike and you don't see the snake you can't really do that yeah you gotta have think you guys about... ever fallen off a bike like as an adult yeah yeah it sucks so. it's <laughs> yeah. really is it's not the same as when you fell off when you were a kid for yeah. whatever reason it's like a hundred times crazy worse. how like how durable kids are i know because yeah. i just like i see kids falling in and i'm just like man that would just break my ankle if i did that you know i there's a there's another one that i read that i didn't do as a story but i'm just gonna do is like a quick blurb there's a girl yeah. in idaho falls who was like in the water in a reservoir boating and she was climbing back into the boat, and she got bit by a rattlesnake that was in the Jeez, water. What? That's yeah. so unlucky. Oh man! Yeah, you got to think about the rattlesnake in your story. That pretty unlucky for it too. That like an actual yeah. giant, like speeding giant, fell out of the air on top of it. Like that sucks for that snake too. Yeah, I don't maybe it, for biting. I'd bite it for mm-hmm. biting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Maybe it like slithered into his spokes and was trying to get him off that bike, you know, so it could bite him. <laughs> Did the Indiana Jones on him? Yeah, just threw well, him had 500 like a, feet through the air. <laughs> the snake had like a goal of not biting any humans anymore, and then what? And then he's just him. doing great, and then he's a like human 10 years just clean. fell on him, and he's like, "Ah, oh, shoot!" I he had a little board human. at home that said <laughs> yeah. like 600 yeah. days since biting a human, and then he had to cross it out. <laughs> All right, that's it for my story. All right, it's a good Mike, story, Mike. What you got? I've got. Oh man, just wait for this one. So what do you guys think about national parks as a place to propose to your significant other? I think that's a pretty good place. Depends on how Depends busy what it park. is. Depends what park. If you're at Death Valley when it's 130 degrees, maybe not. <laughs> Bad place. Yeah. Yeah, I agree true. With that. So that's Yosemite's what I was... a good one. Yosemite. Yosemite. Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> sure. Is that where Half Dome is? Because that'd be a cool place yeah. on top of Half Dome. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. One of my friends took like the coolest engagement pictures i've ever seen and it's on top of half dome oh really shout out cody she's like the person he was proposing to is probably worried that if she said no he'd push her off so that's a pretty good strategic (laughs) spot if you want to like really make sure she says yes he or she okay so this story begins Chris Whitehill and Amber Harris were spending a nice day in Yellowstone, and while Chris Whitehill's plan was to make it an extra special outing by proposing to Amber, a bison decided to make it memorable in its own way. What do you think it was planning, Jeff? Maybe like the, like, no, you should be with me. Yeah, right. You, so you were in Yellowstone, right? Uh, Just this past week? Yeah. You posted like your favorite geyser? Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Beehive geyser. Old Faithful's like number five. Oh, really? Yeah, I would say, I would agree with Jeff. Beehive's probably my favorite. And then probably it's an so enemy. Cool. It's just soaking us. It's like yeah. almost twice as high as Old Faithful, but the boardwalk goes right next to it. So you just get drenched. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Geysers are sweet. 
Do you think animals oh, ever them. use them as like a bidet? <laughs> so uh, there's no. I just wanted to talk about geysers because you I did saw your in post. that one artwork we just put out. You're using one like a bidet. That's right. Oh man, I'm so happy. <laughs> so on the morning of July 17th, Amber was enjoying some coffee while out on a walk near Lake Yellowstone with her daughter and Chris when they spotted a bison. Quote, we stopped and looked at the massive beast about 50 yards away on the trail, hidden at first in the shadows of the trees. We watched him drop and roll in the dirt like a dogwood. Is that what, do you see bison do that much, Wes? They're yeah, they do wallowing. it all the time. They're wallowing, yeah. Wallowing, so that's the it word. It cools them off, it gets rid of parasites, and then those wallows that they create, like these depressions in the ground, are actually really important to prairie ecosystems because they collect water mm-hmm. and they create this little like mini water impression in the land and it helps vegetation, it helps probably a lot of be different things. Helpful if bison lived like all throughout the country. Yeah, it would be. We'd probably have much healthier prairie ecosystems and That'd be agriculture. Cool if, too bad they can't, you know? Yeah, yeah, impossible. Yeah. Never happened. Yeah. <laughs> that prairie snake in your last story, Jeff, it would have had a place to be hanging out instead of right on the bike path. Yeah, probably exactly. could yeah. have prevented a snake bite. I, I, I watched a bison wallow while I was just in Yellowstone. It's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Make you want to do it? It's like LeBron James throwing the chalk in the air before games. All right. <laughs> Are we ever going to finish this story, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, continuing on with the quote, this is still Amber speaking. He got up on his feet and started walking and then running towards us. Chris said later on in an interview with Today, we just kept moving away moving away i told amber do not run is that good advice no so you do want to run yeah you just want to get away yep so chris said that despite their attempt to flee quote he struck her head on and she was airborne i think she did one or two backflips in the air and i was screaming and yelling trying to distract him she landed pretty hard on her back that's pretty sweet yeah, it's pretty fun especially since that's she a lived. good that bison's bragging yeah. yeah, I got a two and a half. I got two a flips. two flipper, <laughs> 15 feet. Yeah. The National Park Service said in a news release that she was transported by helicopter to Eastern Idaho Regional Medical Center. Amber later wrote on Facebook that she suffered seven spinal fractures, bilateral Jeez. collapsed lungs, and bruising all over. Quote, wow. glory to God, all my vital organs look good. So at least not sweet got for Amber. Much. Sorry for you if you listen that I said that's sweet. The bison did that. Yeah. So this story, it has a pretty sweet ending. So even though she entered the hospital as White Hill's girlfriend, it turns out that she'll still be leaving as his fiance after he went through with the proposal at her uh, hospital bedside. Quote, without any hesitation, I said yes. That's nice. And uh, I saw there's this really fun picture I saw in an article. It was the two of them at a Phoenix Suns game. So just let me be the first to say congratulations on getting rid of Chris Paul and congratulations (laughs) on getting engaged. All right. Uh, yeah, they got a good team. And yeah, I'm excited to see how they do. They got a really fun engagement story out of that. That is great. You know, as long as she recovers fully, then that's a fun story. It's they more fun better. than just a proposal in Yellowstone. Yeah. They did better than that dating couple we talked about that both got gored by bison and then broke mm. up. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess the key episode. is just for just for one person to get gored, not both. Um, well, all right. started that way with ours. That's true. <laughs> uh, all right, so I've got another one that's a little bit on the somber side. Well, a lot bit on the somber side. A pretty sad one okay. that got I sent to us a lot. I will mute myself. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's one that was all over the news, all over social media, 
a lot of shark biologists I saw talking oh, about yeah. it. It's this is a tough one. It's so always on, worse when you like can see the video. Yeah. So this is a tiger shark attack in Egypt. And again, there like Jeff just mentioned, there was a viral video circulating where the victim of this attack is actually seen being attacked by the shark. I think, you know, as more and more people are going in the water and more and more people have a really quickly accessible video device in their pocket, we're going to see more and more of this. We're going to see people being attacked by animals. And in some ways, I think like scientifically speaking, there's some good that can be done from that where we can learn insights about attacks. We can learn some things that I'm going to talk about later about behavior but then it's also like really graphic and really hard to watch. And I would I would just recommend anyone out there that's debating whether or not this is something you want to watch, don't watch it. This was a hard one. This is one that really stuck with me afterward. It's one that's going to make me a little bit more scared to go in the water, to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. So I would say if that's a fear of yours, if you're someone that through the show or through whatever else has been able to overcome that to some extent, putting this kind of imagery in your mind isn't going to help. Because if just remembering the statistics and remembering how unlikely this is will help, remembering what you should do and what you should avoid will help, but having these kind of images in there isn't, isn't going to be a good thing for you. So I would, I would say avoid it. All right, so the story. On June 8th, Vladimir Popov was swimming with his girlfriend Anastasia near the beach in the popular oceanside city of Hurghada, Egypt. I'm probably saying that wrong, but it's H-U-R... G-H-A-D-A. His father was also on the beach enjoying this really beautiful atmosphere of this beach called Dream Beach. And Vladimir had been living in Egypt for months with his father, likely to avoid conscription in the ongoing conflict with Ukraine because he was a Russian national. And he was getting used to the pace of life, the culture in in the North African country of Egypt. And like a lot of people who moved there, he was especially entranced by the really beautiful waters of the Red Sea. So this part of coastal Egypt that does border the Red Sea, it it does have really amazing beaches. And the Red Sea is this really beautiful reef-covered sea that, you know, is great for divers, it's great for swimmers, but it's also really great for a number of shark species. We've talked about shark attacks there with oceanic white tips, and then tiger sharks are another species that you sometimes encounter. So on the 8th of June, Vladimir was simply doing what he had already done a ton of times in his life, He's swimming in the ocean on a hot day, and as he moved a bit further out in the water from Anastasia, who was also in the water with him, he was suddenly struck from behind by a massive shark. And this shark was an 11-foot-long female tiger shark. And unfortunately for Vladimir, this was a shark that wasn't simply curious, it was in search of food. So it continued to attack him as he screamed for help from his dad. For me, that was definitely the hardest part of the video, is that when he pops up, Shark pulls him under, he pops up, and then starts yelling for help, and that's then when pulls I, him under again. That's when I turned it off. I yeah. I couldn't finish it. It was, like, there's, it's just not, like, a glamorous thing. It's not like in movies where there's, like, a soundtrack. It's just, like, I silent. was about to say the exact same thing. Just like, horrifying. The whole attack, and not to debase it by, like, comparing it to a movie scene. No. But, yeah. like... In, in Jaws, where the little boy is attacked on his on his float away from the ocean, you have all these like cuts and you have all the like the music and you have like as it gets too intense, it cuts away from it. And this video doesn't have any of that. And so it is really it's very visceral. It's really hard to watch. But what you do see is you see him disappear into the water multiple times. You see his arms and legs 
spin through the air. Anastasia swims to shore. She turns to watch uh, in this, you know, stunned disbelief with dozens of other onlookers as he's eaten in front of them. And the entire attack takes about 20 seconds. And again, it's captured on video by a few different people. And in the very end of the video, you see the shark surge for one last time. Uh, he goes underwater and you see the shark's tail slap the water a bit. And then a rescue boat shows up seconds later. But he's already at that point, he'd already been killed by the shark. So again, I, I do think the the kind of silver lining of this whole thing is that it was really quick. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we see it from start to finish. It doesn't last long. And it was a large shark. So really devastating bites that would cause him to not suffer nearly as much as if it was like a bull shark or maybe something smaller. I, I shouldn't say that. Bull shark's probably about the same size. So both his father, unfortunately, and his girlfriend watched it unfold in front of them. Later, his father was quoted as saying, we went to the beach to relax. My son was attacked by a shark. What kind of help can you give? This meat grinder happened in 20 seconds. He was just dragged under the water. Uh, The father was also quoted to say it was a ridiculous coincidence, which to me shows that he did understand that, like, this is a really unlikely thing. Like, they had probably gone to the beach dozens of times, swam dozens of times, not even seen a shark. And then it just so happened on this day that, that his son was attacked by a shark. Well, and then, like, when you take it out of context of just them, millions of people go in the Red Sea all the time, you know? And Right, right. Yeah. So the thing, though, I do want to know. Not all at the same time, though. That's true. Well, sometimes <laughs> that's what probably, I meant. <laughs> on any given day, there's probably a million people that go in the Red Sea, you know? Or I don't know. Probably not that many, but close. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a billion. <laughs> uh, not a billion. Uh, so I will say, like, Unfortunately, this, you know, in a different way, this story gets even more tragic where the shark was in the area feeding on the remains of this man. And so they went out and caught the shark and it was dragged ashore by a big metal hook through its eye. It was pulled up on shore alive where people proceeded to beat it to death with metal rods. Oh, gosh. So, I mean, that also is just like terrible. Uh, It was opened up and they did find his body parts inside parts of his head torso and arms so it definitely you know was the responsible shark but in my opinion like the really savage part of this whole thing because like every article i read had words like savage merciless um Mm -hmm. there's a few articles that said the shark toyed with his remains for hours after he was killed when it was just you know feeding and so for me the savage part of this whole thing was the way that the shark was killed in retaliation like that that's the savagery Should the shark be removed if they know which shark it is? Yes, because it's likely that this shark could repeat this behavior. Not even likely, but possible. So yeah, I don't. I'm not against removing the shark. Should it be killed humanely? Definitely. You know, it shouldn't be beaten to death by a group of onlookers. To me, as brutal as it is, and as like terrible of a way to go, a shark eating another, like a mammal in the water, isn't savagery. That's not a feeding frenzy. That's not a shark that's like gone rogue. You know, it's not like full of rage. It's an animal that's taking advantage of a food source in the water. And like, that's not our, that's not our environment. That's not a place that we necessarily belong. So we're somewhat easy prey for an animal like a tiger shark, you know? And so we're lucky that this doesn't happen more often, in my opinion. Like this is something that could happen every single day if sharks wanted to take advantage of it and they don't. And I think like we're so lucky that we are able to be as at home in the ocean as we are. But to me, there's nothing savage about a 
massive predator deciding to attack uh, a potential source of food. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, like, I don't know. It's really terrible they killed it that way. But I am just thinking, like, in America, so many people have, like, guns and, like, easier ways to kill something like that, too. Like, right. maybe they just didn't have, like, a great way to kill it once they It's possible. It. Yeah, it's possible. But, like, you but... would think they would have, like, a knife or something you could kill it faster with. There's a video of it, though, and you can tell that these people are, like, enraged. Just getting revenge. That they're getting its retribution. I don't know. I like to me that's the no, most savage part of the whole thing. Yeah, that's bad. So I will say I looked into this a little bit more because it it did seem like a lot of people were like, "Wow, this like this isn't that common of a thing around here. Why did this happen?" And there was a fatal tiger shark attack not far from here last year. And the more I read about it, the more I read about these livestock ships. So there's ships that cross the Red Sea in the northern part of the Red Sea between Egypt. And I forget what's across there. Is it Oman? I, I can't remember. But um, they cross that strait right there, and they often carry large amounts of livestock. And those livestock aren't in great conditions. It's really hot. They often die on this voyage. And when they do, they just toss them overboard, which is like a huge boon to sharks. And sharks will actually follow these boats. And so sometimes what they're saying is like, Boats will dock in areas near where this attack happened, and they essentially bring all these new sharks into the area. And these are mm. sharks that are used to feeding on mammals. They're used to feeding on stuff that's not necessarily like a typical prey item to them. So that's possibly a shark that's more interested in alternative sources of prey than what they would normally be feeding on. And it's likely, well, I mean, I shouldn't even say likely, it's possible that that's what happened here. It's one of these sharks that just had kind of diverted from its typical behavior and is now investigating new sources of prey. It's also just a shark, you know? Like, this is an animal that sometimes decides to eat us, and that's the risk we take when we go in the ocean. And I think for context, we kill up to 100 million of these animals every year, you know? Like, if you want, a, if you want an idea of the scope of the brutality that we inflict on them... Google shark fins drying on rooftops and you'll get a good view into like how devastating of a practice shark finning is. A quick little bit of biology here though. This was a tiger shark. So I, I do think often when a tiger shark decides to engage with the human and actually attack, it is much more of a predatory attack than you would see in like a great white. Where we talk about with a great white, it's often this exploratory thing. It's trying to figure out if you're prey. Tiger sharks can process us. They're not like great whites where they're like immediately like, this is too bony for me. It's not worth the mm. energy. Tiger sharks have a much more robust kind of digestive system. They eat turtles. You know, they will bite through turtle mm. shell to get yeah. to a turtle. So when a tiger shark engages with a person, it's not nearly as likely to break off that attack as a great white is. That being said, they're still second most responsible for attacks on humans. Great whites are number one. But tiger sharks are second, and we'll talk a little bit about what you... Well, I guess I'll just get into it now. If you are being attacked by a tiger shark, you need to do your best to divert it, to like push it away, do whatever you can, and get to safety as quickly as possible without splashing, without like acting like wounded prey. And then the things to avoid are obviously like places where they're feeding, murky water, places where sharks have been reported, early morning swimming, late evening swimming. Those are things to avoid. But if you are actually have a shark coming at you, you want to put something in between you and the shark. And if it actually swims up to you and you don't have something, 
push its head away and divert your body over the shark, which hopefully it doesn't come to that because that's a pretty technical thing to do. Yeah. What about if you're a bystander? Nothing they uh, could have really done. Not in this one. It just happened so quick. There, no one was close enough to him. People, like, they mobilized pretty quick to get a boat out to him. But yeah. by the time the boat got there, it was already over. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, All that's right. a, it's a rough one. Again, I don't recommend watching the video. But I'm not going to tell people not to because I watched it. But I don't recommend it. You know, it's been a really hot summer here, and I've learned a lot about just how important it is to be hydrated and how important electrolytes are for hydration. So I was in Brazil recently, it's even hotter there, and really humid, and I just found myself really tired, without any energy, and I realized that it, no matter how much I was drinking, I wasn't feeling hydrated. But luckily, I had some Element with me. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means there's a lot of salt and no sugar. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. There's no junk in there. There's no sugar, there's no coloring, no artificial ingredients, nothing that you don't need. And it's formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs. It's perfectly suited for people that are doing keto, low-carb, paleo, a lot of other diets. For me, when I took it in Brazil, I did immediately feel better. I felt like my headache subsided. I felt like I had more energy. I just felt a lot more hydrated. I truly am a fan of Element. Element's actually something I had in my house even before they sponsored the podcast, something I already enjoyed. So I was thrilled when they reached out and said they wanted to sponsor the podcast. I love this product. I recommend it to everyone, and I think it tastes really good. So right now, Element is offering a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. My favorite flavor is raspberry. I know Mike really likes watermelon. would love to hear from you guys which one you like the most. So get yours at drinklmnt.com backslash tooth. This deal is only available through our link. You got to go to drinklmnt.com backslash tooth. Try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, give it to one of your friends. They'll give your money back. No questions asked. You have nothing to lose. Well, should we just keep these sad vibes going for another one? Let's pump them out. Let's pump out the sadness. I got another sad one. It's a black bear, which typically aren't this sad. But on June 17th in Tucson, Arizona, a fatal attack happened to someone named Steven Jackson. So not the basketball just, player who went in the stands and punched people, Mike. Right. This is a different person. A black bear in Arizona. Yeah. Is that what's the population like there? Do you know? Northern Arizona, there's a decent amount, right? Is there? Okay. I don't think I don't think this was in Tucson. I think he was from Tucson. Oh, it says of Tucson. You're right. Uh, it was yeah. in Groom Creek area, south of Prescott, Arizona, which is yeah near Prescott. So this Thank is much. You. Yeah, this is like more... Because Tucson doesn't really have much. No, as when you said that, that didn't sound right. So Prescott yeah. is south of Flagstaff, which that area is really great black bear habitat. They have a lot of bears in there. Yeah, thank you for that correction, Wes. So, yeah. And he was building a home in that area, and he woke up early in the morning, went out on his property, just out in the trees at a picnic table they had set up, and started brewing a fresh hot morning cup of coffee 
His partner of 15 years said that he would often come to me if I was still sleeping with a cup in hand and blow across the top of the cup to awaken me with a warm, playful smile. That's Good really morning, nice. Annie. Thank Coffee you. is brewed. So uh, they just had a great, great relationship. You guys got a favorite coffee order? Uh, I like I like mine on the like the sweeter side, but not super okay. sweet. I like, like a mocha. I like mine like a little like brown sugary flavored. It's kind of my mm-hmm. favorite. But yeah. yeah, I don't know what type they liked, but okay, it sounded like it was a good bonding, like a yeah, good little relationship really nice. they had. Kind of yeah, a little tradition. Like yeah, yeah. Well. A grouchy male, three hundred sixty-five black bear. That morning, pounds. it came up to Stephen, attacked him, and dragged him seventy-five feet down an embankment, according to officials. I wrote embankment. It's embankment, but that's okay. <laughs> I think Jeff's right. Actually, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not. Embarked. I'm looking at the exact same article embarked right now. Down the embankment. <laughs> yeah. So neighbors heard it, heard him screaming and. They tried to intervene. They started honking car horns. They were yelling at the bear, but the bear didn't let go. It kept attacking, and one neighbor went and got his rifle and shot the bear to like stop the attack, Whoa. but it ended up being too late, and Stephen and the bear were both dead once officials arrived. Oh, man. Um, Stephen is remembered as a person who truly loved life and is missed by all who knew him. Yeah. So, Wes, what type of attack was this? Uh, I think this is very likely a predatory attack. And the Which two is things really, that, or like it's a rare attack, but with black bears, it's more it's common one. when it's an attack, right? Right. When there's an actual attack where the bear makes contact with someone, and it, with black bears, then it's almost always predatory. But then that's very, very rare. It's like one in a million black bears that decide to do this roughly one a year and we've had more than that this year this has been a year where a number of these have happened i think that's a combination of both more people and more bears and people are recreating a lot more in the outdoors than they used to too but this one the reason i think it's predatory is he wasn't doing anything to antagonize this bear he didn't surprise the bear like he was stationary and the bear crept up on him and grabbed him which is the biggest clue that is predatory I think another really good clue is that these people trying to intervene didn't scare the bear off. So if it's a bear that's just trying to figure out a situation and maybe makes contact with someone, as soon as there's enough stimulus to convince it that it's not worth it, it'll run off. But we've talked about this. We talked about in our Liard River story that when a predatory black bear makes the decision to attack someone, it's kind of sometimes hard to flip that switch again to get it to disengage. Once it's been flipped and it's like, oh, I got something, I've got prey, it can be really hard to discourage them from that prey afterward. So a bear that's typically... sees red, kind of. Yeah, a bear that's typically shy and easy to kind of run off or, or discourage becomes really hard to discourage. And that's very likely what happened here. It's just this bear was predatory. Who knows why? I mean, you can't say why, but it decided to attack him and then was really hard to discourage once it had him. Is there anything Steven could have done differently? Uh, I mean, I don't think so. This is just like a fluke, terrible accident, you know? like It's I think, like not even a situation you could reasonably expect someone to have bear spray in, you know? No, like he wouldn't have been able to get to it in time. Yeah. Like the one yeah. thing I can think of is like having dogs around, but 
who knows? I mean, it's not one that he didn't yeah, do anything. Wrong, it wasn't obviously. even like, right. It wasn't even like a campsite, like where you expect to really see bears, you know? It, no. So Todd Gillier, a member of the state game and fish commission uh-huh. said the attack was an especially aggressive and unprovoked attack that reminds us that wildlife can be unpredictable. Yeah, I think it's another good example of just like as much as we talk about predictable behaviors and things you can do, this is still wildlife. Like every single bear, like Jeff, we know this from working with bears a little bit or me a lot and you helping me on that project. I think every bear that you meet, you kind of start to realize after a while, if you spend some more time around that bear, they each have their own distinctive personalities. Like there's some bears that are shyer and there's some bears that are more aggressive and there are bears that are born that are just much more aggressive than other bears. And you just There's can't. bears that like didn't care about being in our traps. And then there's right. bears that just wanted out and like didn't care that we were there. They were mad at us, you know? Right. So you just, I just think you need to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And according to the department, there have been 15 bears, bear attacks on people in Arizona since 1990, two of which were fatal, including one the one on friday or like the yeah. one on friday according to this when this article is written so yeah right. this was like uh, a month what? and a half ago yeah right right and then there's one other fatal attack in 2011 which yeah. do you know much about that one no i remember when it happened but i don't know much about it i'd have to look back yeah. into it maybe yeah. we'll look into that story and then i have another black bear story i want to share while we're talking Black bears. Okay. Black bears have been kind of aggressive this year, I feel like. There's been a lot bears. of black bear stories, yeah. Black bears are wiling. Yeah. They're learning from coyotes. Uh, So this happened on July 11th. A 35-year-old sheep farmer was out camping with his sheep. Don't get any ideas, Mike. Oh, and too late. <laughs> he woke up at 1 a.m. to some commotion with his livestock and went outside to find a 250-pound black bear had killed two sheep. Oh, what? So the 35-year-old went... There's no name to this person that I could find. Um, How about the bear? The bear was... Not named either. <laughs> <laughs> so the or the 35-year-old went to his tent, and he pulled out a rifle and shot the bear in the chest. Now, what? shooting a bear with a gun has a 100% effective rate to stop an attack, right? It does not, no. No, absolutely not. Oh, all right. Much well, less than that. <laughs> I thought this was a first because the bear immediately charged him and mauled him, biting and scratching his head, left arm, and left hip. So, like, who knows? He might not have even been attacked had he not shot it. I would say very likely not. Mm. I think I think where the last one we talked about was a provoked or unprovoked attack, you could qual- you could qualify this one as a provoked attack because... He shot the bear, and then the bear attacked him. And, like, he does still kind of have some good reason to shoot the bear. He, it's his job to protect these sheep yeah. for, like, whoever he's working for, you know? But that's kind of what you sign up for if you shoot a bear. Yeah. It's kind of a hard one for me. Because I yeah. kind of, like, for me, even if someone's, like, at their farm with their sheep and a predator attacks... I kind of feel like that's just the tax, like that's your tax for like having Mm. sheep in a place where there's those predators. But this to me seems like, because sometimes sheep farmers will take- It's funny you say tax because our Hawaiian cousins are in town and 
one of them's a fisherman, and he was yeah. saying that like they call when they catch the a man. fish and a shark takes the fish that while they're bringing it in, they call it the tax that they have to pay. Yeah, I'll say this though, like with sheep farmers and sheep ranchers, um, and I think this is what happened in this story. They'll often take their sheep up to like a summer pasture or something like up in the mountains, and they just are in BLM kind of wild areas. And That's then what have they're someone... doing. They had like a permit to have it up in these. Yeah. For me at that point, it's like you're taking a really easy prey item up into wild habitat. I feel like at that point, personally, I don't think they should be allowed to shoot predators that attack sheep in that kind yeah, of situation. That's a good point. Because it's like you are, you're literally bringing this animal to their doorstep. You know, it, there's yeah. no fencing. There's no anything like, I just don't personally, I don't believe in that. that. So I just like, I don't know. I have a hard time and I with wouldn't this one. blame this person so much as like just the laws around it, and then maybe even like the rancher who owns the sheep, because I'm sure because it's a law they can shoot it. He's like, hey, if a bear's attacking my sheep, you gotta kill it. You know? Right. This guy was doing so his like, job. Right. But like know. that just shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Yeah. So he's attacked by this black bear. His head's like really bitten. And then, like I said, his left arm is kind of scratched up and is hit. So he crawls back to his tent, radios his cousin, and is airlifted to a nearby hospital in Durango, Colorado, which yeah. is where uh, two of our artists live for Tooth and Clock. Oh, yeah. yeah. Shout out Durango. And, Shout out and where I got my tattoos. Yeah. And then he's taken to another hospital for surgery. State wildlife officials worked with an agent and team of dogs from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service to track the bear. A male bear with chest wounds weighing 250 pounds was found and shot. And the parks officials said, this is a difficult part of the job. This is according to Adrian Archuleta who's David Archuleta's dad. Okay. Is that true? It's not. <laughs> I no. mean, they have the same last name. It's got to be, right? right? They might be re- related. <laughs> Who knows? He's the Parks and Wildlife Area Manager. But when it comes to injuries to humans as a result of a predator attack, human health and safety is our top priority. So that's kind of what Wes has told us a lot of times is it's the getting rid of liability is yeah. taking out a bear who's attacked a person. Yeah. I thought this part was funny, though. The bear also killed two sheep and fed on them. A parks and wildlife spokesperson, John Livingston, said on Friday, wool was found in the stomach and human DNA was found on its claws. But further testing is needed to confirm that the DNA matches that taken from the human. So we don't know yet if that's yeah. the right thing. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like that th- I like that they're being thorough, you know? Yeah. And then I just had one quick little headline, too. Do you guys have anything else with that story? No. On July 8th, a woman who was planting trees in British Columbia was bluff-charged by a grizzly, and then she left and made her way to a road, and then the grizzly full-on charged her and just kind of demobilized her. It seemed like a defensive attack, and then it left. Okay. All right. So those are those are my bear stories. Thanks, dude. Yeah, Mike. Mike, what you got next? Well, uh, I got one that'll maybe 
lighten up the mood a little bit. Okay. Unless you guys want to just keep being sad. No, my and next stuff. one's lighter too. Great. I'm done with dark ones. So your Hawaiian cousins, they came up to Yellowstone with you, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Cousins, nephews. They do aunts, any surfing up there? Uncles. Uh no. In Yellowstone? No. They didn't. Yeah. I had to think though. <laughs> <laughs> so this story takes place well, it was reported on uh July thirteenth in Santa Cruz, California. That's my birthday. Hey, and that one bald guy and that one old guy. Yeah, Patrick Stewart and Harrison Ford. Yep. Yeah, those guys. A uh, 60-year-old Santa Cruz native and photographer Mark Woodward said he has photographed hundreds of otters over the years, but has never seen anything like this. A five-year-old female otter has been making trouble for surfers at Steamer Lane, a popular point break on the shores of Santa Cruz. And in one recent week, he's seen her bully three different surfers out on the water. So it was a busy oh, week geez. for uh, Otter 841 is her... I, the true locals only. Yeah, that otter's like, locals only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like, we are local. Child. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, I saw the first incident on June 18, and I didn't know what was happening, Woodward told NPR. It was quite astounding. <laughs> so Otter 841, that's her official name, uh, her MO seems to be targeting surfers in the lineup waiting for a wave, and then either chewing on their board, or sometimes she'll either like even clamber up onto the board and the surfers will just sit there on the other end of their board, like wondering what they should be doing. Like what, That's kind yeah. of fun. What would you yeah, do I'd though? Love that. Like what could you even do? Just like tip or like whip them with your surf leash or I something? Think just I sit would there just and watch it. See what it does. Yeah. And be ready. I don't know. Would you, if it ran at you, would you jump in the water? Yeah. I think I would. Does that help? I, I mean, it's like, what's your other option? Yeah. Maybe fight it on the board. I would try and get away from it. And then if it went in the water, I'd get back on the board. Mm. But yeah, I think I just do one of those barrel roll moves where you like just flip all the way over with your board. I just catch a huge wave and like surf together do some sick aerials off of it, too. That's <laughs> yeah. what I would do. And you can yeah. do those tricks where like the otter is standing on your knees and you're holding its paws. Yeah, exactly. Cool. <laughs> yeah. She clambers up on the board and at times she's even been able to chase surfers off their boards entirely. But while this seems mostly harmless and pretty cute, officials with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service say that the otter poses a public safety risk. So they're always you know, the buzzkill, wah, ever wah. the buzzkill. <laughs> U.S. Fish and Wildlife. Unbelievable, those guys. They can't catch her, though. Right. They're, just, they're having a hard time. So they said, while there have been no confirmed reports of injury due to the highly unusual behavior of this otter, surfers and others recreating in the area should not approach the otter or encourage the otter's interactions. And that's that's because so if they were to catch her after an incident like that took place, it's more than likely that she would have to be euthanized. So like it's mostly for the otter's protection, which I think we right. can all be happy about, even if it does seem kind of like a buzzkill kind of move to catch her and her rehome her. But it's mostly yeah. for the otter's protection in this scenario. That makes sense. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is that she was born in captivity because her mother, the biological, I don't know. It's not her adoptive mother, I'm saying. Yeah. Her biological otter mom. <laughs> uh, she had also been too comfortable around humans. So, like, they rehomed her mom because she was also kind of giving, getting into similar situations with humans. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, like, I don't know if you can say it's an inherited trait that she would be so comfortable and playful around humans. But, like, I don't know. Is that, like, a thing you think could happen, Wes? Uh, I mean, it's possible. I think, I think it's kind of like, you know, we talked about in the Russian Fox experiment that like, like the really 
playful, nice foxes were more likely to have playful, nice, nice foxes. So I do think those behaviors can be passed along. It's that whole nature versus nurture thing. But right. yeah, I, and then also like that behavior can be taught too. So Some things are just born surfers too. Yeah, she not, just hates kooks. It's not a choice. It's a <laughs> something you're just born with, yep. you know? Right. Yeah, she hates kooks. <laughs> yeah, just go ask Johnny Utah, dude. There actually has been a pretty quickly growing contingent of supporters that are petitioning for her to re- remain free and out in the ocean. And last week, Mark Woodward, that photographer guy I brought up at the beginning of the story, he snapped a photo of an activist dressed up as an otter on their surfboard with a sign that said, keep 841 free. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. She has <laughs> her own Instagram fan page at the Surfing Otter, And one of the memes that was posted there reads... She's the hero Santa Cruz deserves, but not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt her because she can take it. Because she's not our hero. She's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. <laughs> I love that. Well, I hope she continues to evade authorities, even though I yeah. know I probably agree with you that they they probably have her best interest in mind. I feel like we can afford to give this otter that one surf break, you know? Um, yeah. All right. So my next story is titled... We're going to need a bigger bucket of sand. And it's about dingo attacks on Fraser Island. Because, you know, that's how they prove that these you things aren't hold able a bucket in your to mouth. attack people is buckets of sand. All right. So 24-year-old Sarah Pete was running on the large sand island of Kagari, Australia. So Kagari is the, uh, the indigenous name for Fraser Island. And I'm going to stick with Kagari from here on out. This was July 17th when she noticed she had company. She's being chased by three or four dingoes, and the typically curious but really shy wild dogs were quickly closing in. She ran into the surf to get away from the dingoes, not realizing that pushing larger prey into the surf is actually a strategy that dingo packs will use to make a kill, because they know that they can still kill animal animals in the water, but it's harder for animals to get away once they're in the water. So they began attacking her in the water, biting large chunks of flesh from her torso, arms, and legs. Things actually really weren't looking good for Sarah. This wasn't like, I think usually you hear about a dingo attack and it's like a nip or maybe a bite or two. This was like a very prolonged, really aggressive attack. And suddenly two tourists, Shane and Sarah Moffat, arrived in their SUV and they ran out to help. Shane said that she had two dingoes literally hanging from her when he arrived and she was pleading for help. And he ran up and got himself in between the dogs and the woman. He even punched the lead dingo in the face, cutting his hands in the process. Jeez. So they managed. I yeah, like they ma- the idea of punching instead of kicking a dingo because they're like so much harder. I feel like to punch it. To that's punch. true. Yeah. yeah. Australians <laughs> love punching things though. Uh, that's um, true. They they successfully got her away from the dingoes. She was flown by helicopter to a nearby hospital. Uh, no updates were given on her, but she was listed as stable. Um, Kagari is one of the only places in the world where pure dingoes still exist. So it's a place where domestic dogs have not been allowed. So these dingoes haven't been mixing with domestic dogs. Although in our dingo episode, we did talk a bit about how this may be a bit more exaggerated of a problem than we think. And that dingo bloodlines actually maybe aren't quite as mixed with domestic dogs as we might think. Hmm. But anyway, dingo attacks are increasing since the pandemic. And some researchers think that this break in visitation on the island has made the animals bolder. People are also habituating the animals by taking selfies with them, feeding them, and just habituating them in a bunch of different ways. And then one more thing I wanted to say is there are fenced areas on the island 
that are safe for running and activities. And people are encouraged not to run or travel in the unfenced areas because a running person is attractive to dingoes. Inherently, that's like something they see as potential prey. So I kind of, I like there's now all this pressure to cull these dingoes to kill some of the Kagari dingoes because of the spate of recent attacks. There's been other attacks too. The leader of this particular pack was euthanized. Honestly, to me, and like this is coming from someone who doesn't live in Australia, it seems to me like maybe dingoes should have this little stronghold. Like maybe this is a place where when you visit, you just need to realize like there's an increased chance of you running into dingoes and you need to prepare for that because it seems like everywhere else in Australia, they've really been pushed to the side. And this is an animal that we like brought over people brought to Australia and then became wild. And they've managed to kind of carve out this existence and now to be like, Oh, they have this really strong, great stronghold, but now we need to even further push them away. Seems a little short-sighted to me. Could we just start selling bear spray out there and call it dingo spray dingo spray it'd probably work i mean yeah i think it's a good idea jeff it's a good business plan Um, (laughs) and i will you know me saying that i will say that's coming from an american and we've done plenty of this to our own wildlife here too i'm not trying to like point fingers but i do know like the indigenous peoples of australia have coexisted with this animal for a long time had a great respect for it and it's just recently with like a lot of people visiting a lot of these places that were starting to have problems. So maybe we just need to give these animals a little bit more space and a little bit more leeway. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have a couple of alligator stories. I'll, I'll go quick though here. So one that just stuck out to me because it's something I kind of forget about is this happened on June 16th, but a pregnant mom with like a seven month old in her stomach, you know, yeah, yeah, seven months pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Third trimester. <laughs> Not in her stomach, uh, but that's she's... fine. Yeah, in her uterus. <laughs> yeah. She's she's driving with her dad. And all that stomach acid can't be good for a three fetus. kids on June sixteenth, and she smashed her truck smashed into a twelve foot alligator in the road. Jeez. Which and part are truck... you forgetting happens? Oh, just that like people hit alligators in the road. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. That's true. Yeah, I should have been more clear there. But like I I think about like what the worst animals to hit in the road are and I kind of forget about alligators. Cuz they're like so heavy, but then like they're harder to see, you know, because yeah. they're low. If you had asked us, um, like you asked us at the beginning of your first story, like what animal would you least want to hit on a bike? Yeah. Like, I don't think we would have come up I with... I thought about asking that, and then yeah. I'd be like, that was just going to say elephant. So then I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would have. <laughs> we're, we're no fun. Blue whale. <laughs> Atom bomb. Uh, yeah. I'm still laughing about how Jeff said, you know, pregnancy, you know how that works. Oh, I've <laughs> she has a baby article. in her tummy. <laughs> Turtle terribly. I like tried to make it faster, so I tried to like just read pieces of it, and it ended up so much worse. And now it's taking longer. Um, but she's 33 years old, and the truck rolled like a bunch of times. Her three kids and her dad survived, but she died, and they tried to save her baby, and it wasn't able to be saved as well oh no so like you know if you are driving fast by alligator country just keep an eye out 
because that's yeah. just something you don't that's really terrible. think about having to avoid. Nature's spike strip. I always think like moose. I'm always afraid of moose because they're so top heavy and yeah, it would just go straight just through your windshield. Go into oh. your car, but yeah. alligators yeah. low key kind of a bad one to hit on the road. Yeah. And then on June 26, a 13 year old boy named Gabriel Klimis in Winter Springs, Florida, was walking with his little brother and some friends by a creek. After swimming on a rope swing and having a good, just a fun day, they're walking back by a creek when a big old alligator popped out of the creek and bit him on the hip. Whoa. So in his mind, he's thinking, go, 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 trying to escape the gator's jaws. That's a direct quote, go, go, go. And he found a nearby stick. Must have been a good stick because he started hitting the gator with it and Mm -hmm. got it to release its grip. So then his little brother and his friends are all just crying and freaking out. And Gabriel calmly calls 911 and casually asks for help. So, Mike, I'm going to have you, like, put in the call right here because it's kind of funny just hearing, like, he's just like, yeah, I was bit by a gator. I just got bit by a gator. Okay. And what part of your body was bit? Oh, like my, my right hip. I'm okay though. I can walk and I can stand. I'm I'm fine. Okay, I have the paramedics on the way. Once at the hospital, <laughs> like, they're like, "Wait, are, are you hurt?" He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> Whoa. But it's pretty funny. It didn't say the weight of the alligator, but it was big. I saw a picture of it dead and like it filled up past the bed of a pickup truck. So I'd say it's probably about as big as a truck. Okay. <laughs> it's gotta be. What kind of truck does it have? A, does it have a Hemi in it? Uh, yeah, just like a standard truck. A low rider, oh, nice. though. Nice. Sits close it's to the ground. It's that long, and it's, I would guess it's heavier than, like, one of those two-seater smart cars. Yeah. How many cylinders does this baby have? <laughs> 50? The two-seater? Four. Yeah. Four. Nice, yeah. dude. That's a good truck. <laughs> All right. And then, on July 4th, a 69-year-old woman was killed by an alligator while walking her dog by the edge of a lagoon. In Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, rescue efforts were made and the alligator was guarding her body, so it had to be killed and removed from the spot, according to the local sheriff's office. And that's kind of crazy because not even a year before that, an 88-year-old was also killed walking her dog in Sun City, South Carolina. Um, And there's actually a video of that one that's like... Pretty crazy. uh, It's... Yeah, you see the alligator go across, like, the entire lagoon to, like, go yeah. at the dog. Yeah, um, not great. So um, those those are yeah. the gator stories I got. All right. Our next partner has a product I use literally every single morning. I started taking AG1 because I knew I needed healthier just nutrients and healthier things in general inside my body as having gut health. This was the easiest way to do it. Also, it tastes great. I just saw Oppenheimer. They need an Oppenheimer-style movie on the scientist behind AG1 because it tastes amazing and it's super healthy for you, which doesn't even make sense to me. With one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamin, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com tooth. Again, that's athleticgreens.com tooth, all lowercase, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Tooth and Claws brought to you by Rocket Money. It's super hard to cancel subscriptions. Everyone knows that. They redirect you a million places and eventually you just get tired of it and forget about it. And that's why Rocket Money's so great. I had a listener, uh, I can say his name because his name is Michael and there's a million of you Michaels, who was asking me about if I actually liked Rocket Money. I was like, yeah, I saved a lot of money. And then he signed up, used it, and this is a direct quote. I've already saved a ton of money. Rocket Money is actually legit. So there you have it. Proof. No, but it really is great. The app shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you don't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com claw. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash claw. Claw is all caps. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash claw. Mike, do you have any more? I could do a quick one about a tiger if you guys think we still have some time. Sure. And only I, if it involves peeing. I got a re- yeah, <laughs> only if there's peeing involved. And then I got a real quick Shark Week update after okay, that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this happened in... Listeners Us- like a long episode. Usarisk, Eastern Russia. There was a woman by the name of Daria Ulyanova who claims that she was simply out in the woods searching for her lost dog with her husband when that good old-fashioned feeling hit. What do you What do you think I'm talking about there, Jeff? Pee. Yeah, pee. you just needed a pee. So she stepped a little ways <laughs> off the trail to pee. And just as probably things were getting good, out of the corner of her, <laughs> out of the corner of her eye, she saw a huge Amur tiger coming towards her. So she started to run away, but after three steps, she fell down. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. probably Have her pants were all up. Pants around her peeing knees. mid pee. It hurts yeah. to do that, you know. Yeah, it's and then like you, your relief is just instantly cut off. Yeah. She said that, quote, he flew at me from above and started to tear me. He pulled me, pulled my hand towards him, and I could not escape because the beast was so big. And this is where the story gets a little suspicious. So reportedly, Daria says that her husband, Mikhail, saved her life when he quickly hopped into his Zil truck or ZIL truck. I don't know if you guys know what those are. They're like the massive, almost like military looking trucks with a huge flatbed. And he rammed the big cat off of her, causing the tiger to flee back into the forest. But the police and tiger experts are scrutinizing the story, and she didn't help herself when her testimony appeared to be, quote, confused by those who heard her. So, Wes, let me give you another reason to like Vladimir Putin more than you already do. I don't. The reason... Go ahead. The reason this is such a big deal is that President Putin had recently taken, has recently taken initiatives to protect the animal, which is on the brink of extinction, or at least endangered to an extent that... The state felt like they had to take some measures against poaching. And uh, that's what these authorities are suspecting that this guy was actually out there doing, which, if true, means that he could be facing a fine of up to 20,000 rubles. But whatever the case might be. It's a lot of rubles, (laughs) I think. I don't know. The value really dipped after the war with Ukraine. 
That's, That's true. true. It might not be like a lot in rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Sergei Aramilev, director general of the Amur Tiger Center, said that, quote, the version of the story that a man crushed a tiger with a truck that grabbed his wife is unlikely based on the nature of the injury and the experience of lightning attacks by these predators. It is impossible to jump into a truck, turn around and run over the animal. I think there's maybe something lost in translation because that doesn't sound like impossible. Yeah. But probably because like the space with the trees and the size of the truck, it just like didn't make logistical sense for all this to happen exactly like they were saying. Uh, But the quote continues, but there is blood on the spot, traces of a struggle. Now painstaking work is beginning to establish the circumstances. We will wait for the expert's opinion. So will we. But whatever the case may be, Daria did, she did survive the encounter and is in uh, medical treatment at the hospital after suffering severe lacerations on her arms and shoulders. Soldiers. Yeah. Her soldiers. (laughs) You know, I'm going to believe her. I think there's no, there's no great motive to lie about that. Unless, yeah, unless it was like a domestic thing. It's probably not. Uh, Oh, uh, he scratched her up like a tiger. Detective Wes. They should call you in. Uh, you know, fly you out. You were, you brought up Putin for all his downsides. The dude loves big cats. He he does sure, a pretty good job protecting bears. It seems like too. Russia's yeah, he, got a lot of bears. He uh, he's a big fan of like a more leopard and a more tiger conservation. So, all right, I got bad one more guy, quick. Though. Let's bad. put on the record after that. Bad <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah. Stamp yeah. it. All bad right. guy stamp. Yeah, we got our fair share of bad guys over here too all right so (laughs) my last one is called cocaine sharks i hate titling it that but that's what i'm titling it shark week is doing a show called cocaine sharks because of course they are and it's about cocaine that has gotten dumped by drug runners near florida coast that may get eaten by sharks the word may is doing a a lot of heavy lifting in that <laughs> sentence. Uh, so just cocaine is in the ocean. Yeah. they're making yeah. sharks involved now. Exactly. Like cocaine bear came out this year, so they have to do cocaine sharks. My, In my opinion, the problem with Shark Week is that they constantly need to up the ante. So I think it's really good that people are genuinely excited about like programming, programming featuring sharks. But we don't need all this like fake sensationalist stuff. I think the one highlight of the show is that it highlights how much of our trash ends up in the ocean and the animals inherently are going to eat that trash. But I just feel like, you know, I've been a part of a few documentaries. I've been I've been able to host a couple shows about wildlife conservation. If if like Discovery Channel producers came to me and said, hey, we want you to be a part of this program called Cocaine Sharks, I would say no. And I would invite other shark, like I'm not a shark biologist. I'd invite shark biologists out there to also say no to this kind of thing because I don't think. What, wasn't it this. Jason Momoa this year? He's like the host of Shark Week this year. I like year. that guy. Yeah, me too, actually. You know what, though? I'm going to zag on you a little bit and Kay. just say if you need to say that sharks might be eating cocaine that has once been dumped in the ocean in order to get people who wouldn't otherwise watch like you give actual valuable information about garbage in the ocean and like sharks being killed then i think that's okay as long as like you're getting out a good message in the mix yeah if the good message is like the the priority but it is stupid but if the message is like oh these sharks are eating cocaine and now they're crazy and like we have to be careful (laughs) because there's cocaine sharks out there then it's doing more harm than it's doing good i don't care what the positive spin on that is 
And I guarantee you that's their like main angle they're hitting. So with this stupid. Show. Yeah. So just do better. I mean, that's like we don't need that stuff. Like sharks are inherently fascinating. We don't need to put them on cocaine. All right. Mm. That's it. You got I think we're done, right? Stories? We're done. Okay. Yeah, we did it. So let's go into some quick categories. I might cut a couple of the ones that I had, but we'll do the rest. Quick one though. I had to I watched this this tiger shark attack in Egypt a few times. Really didn't want to. Like I saw it when it first came out and then when I was preparing this, I had to watch it two more times. And it, I was like actually legitimately dreading it cuz this one did kind of haunt me. So I wanted to ask you guys about a movie that you've watched that really stuck with you. And if you want to put a positive spin on it, you can, but I kind of meant more in like a haunting way. So, okay. I can yeah. start us off. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the lighthouse. And there's an interesting one because like, I wasn't even super engaged with the movie. I thought it was like moving a little slow. Yeah. But then like the end hit me really hard. And there's just like a few scenes that really stuck in my mind. Yeah. And just kind of lingered in there for a long time afterwards. It helps that we watch that in the cabin, like on a cold yeah. night with like a fire. Up in yeah. the woods. It's the scene that stuck in your mind, Pattinson, Jane off. Was that it? No. It's <laughs> the crows eating. Just uh, couldn't shake that image. What's his name? <laughs> Defoe? Yeah, William. Yeah. Oh, William. Willem. Mike, you want to go next? Yep. Uh, it's Requiem for Your Dream. I don't know how oh, much yeah. more needs to be said, but that's a... Yeah. The end, especially like the last little stretch montage of everyone's life falling apart is just brutal. Yeah. And it, fe- it almost feels like it, it was a really important thing to watch, but also something I'll never need to watch again. Like, yeah, <laughs> I love it's I actually terrible. really liked that movie, but in the worst yeah. ways. It's yeah, it's harrowing because of everything that happens and because Jared Leto's in it. Um, yeah, too, yeah. All right. But Jennifer Connelly, <laughs> they balance each yeah, other. Out. I she's love her. So, oh, man. She's so awesome. Mine is Midsommar. Or midsummer, however you want to say it. Say that. Yeah, I like. I'm a huge Ari Aster fan, although I haven't seen Bo is Afraid yet. But um, I will say I read about a short film that he did called like The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, and I was gonna watch it. I found it on YouTube. I was gonna watch it, and then there, all the other YouTube clips were like, "Why you shouldn't watch The Strange Thing About the Johnsons?" <laughs> so oh, I was like, man. "You know what? I'm gonna break my rule and just like read the Wikipedia article before I do this." really glad I didn't watch that movie because it sounds awful. Anyway, I am a fan of his like wide release features and um, Midsommar for whatever reason, when I saw that I walked out a different person. Like I, I just like could not think about anything else for days. It took me a long time to rewatch that movie on the second watch. It didn't affect me the same way, but just like the bright scenes and this like really beautiful cinematography and this kind of like really like really nice seeming festival that has this incredibly dark backstory or not even backstory but like you know the stuff that's actually happening behind the scenes is so dark it really yeah it really messed with me I don't, it's but i think he's a genius like he's one of my favorite filmmakers so that's my pick um our next category we're just gonna say something that's overrated <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jeff, why don't you go first? Yeah, I'm going to go with Indian food. Oh, interesting. I love Indian food. <laughs> so good. That's, yeah. So does Mike. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I think it's good. I think it's good. But I, don't, I think Italian food's better. I think that like a steak dinner's better. I think that Mexican food's better. 
It's just not in my like top five of food categories. Okay. What is your like your favorite cultural cuisine? Do you add, can you say? Uh, probably like Italian, Italian restaurant. Italian. Yeah, it's always good. Yeah, yeah. High floor, high ceiling. Kind Indian of food. food, like the more I like it, the worse it sits in my stomach. Too. Yeah, I'm that's, gonna. I'm gonna kind of. <laughs> that's a you thing, but yeah. Yeah, I love Indian food. It's my. It's probably that's why my favorite. Overrating it. Probably my favorite. Um, so I'm gonna build on Jeff's because mine also has to do with eating, and this is one that is gonna be unpopular. I think, for me, it's uh, eating in restaurants. I think is overrated. I'm on board um, with this take. I eat at home guy. Like during the pandemic, when everyone was doing takeout, it was like the best thing for me. Cause I just love like getting good restaurant food, but then like taking it home and eating it in front of the TV, which I know sounds super lazy. And like, I know I like, don't get me wrong. I know the appeal of like a really well, like a good ambiance in a restaurant, how much it can bring to the whole experience. The food is fresh. You get this whole like social experiment or experience, but like, for me, I just, I don't care that much about food. So I love just being able to like eat on my own time. So I love eating at home, but I go out to restaurants a lot because Jesse loves it. So I, I'm willing to do it. You're such a good, you're going to make a wonderful husband someday, Wes. Thanks. I had a hard time picking just one. I was just perusing my list, my doc. <laughs> the ones that really just stood out to me were, were log rides. I think log rides are horribly overrated. Oh, wow. Your mom slash dad's pancakes. Uh, okay. Not yours specifically, but you in general. Just, everybody right. else's, you know. You're overrating I them. love a lot. I love both of those things. Songs whose lyrics consist of telling you how to dance to the song. Why are there so many hit songs that do that? <laughs> I, agree with I that. hate those. Slide to the left. <laughs> yeah. Slide to the right. Uh, the one I settled on, though, is this one I've been working Two on hops this, one, this time. Uh, recently. And I talked to Wes a little bit about this. But I think The Doors, the band The Doors, are so horribly... Oh, I hate The Doors. Jim Morrison is... I told Wes this, but I think he was the original Scott Stapp of Creed with his stupid yeah. <laughs> like vocal inflections and stuff. People call him a poet. His lyrics aren't that deep, people. Go read them on wherever, lyrics.com or whatever. <laughs> the stupid like harsh keyboard tone that their keyboard player uses, it, like it's grating. I don't know how people can stand to listen to that music. They're awful. They're terrible. It's a hot take. All right. Lizard King is a great nickname, though. Good for him on that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, that is good. You like that. Underrated we, nickname. We gave yeah. Mike like 15 minutes to prep for this category, too, and he's <laughs> just ready. He's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled up his dock. This one was made All right. for me. Uh, Jeff, do you have a random animal fact for us? I do. So this is from Reddit, but it's also from EmperorDivers.com. Okay. Um. All clownfish are born as males. So one female lives with a group of males, but only mates with one of them. When she dies, her mate will become female. This change is irreversible. Well, that's crazy. It's a good, it's a good fact for a lot of you, uh, you bigots <laughs> out guy, there to think hard about. <laughs> that guy who was messaging on Instagram that people can't be trans because bears aren't trans. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like such maybe. a stupid <laughs> argument. Yeah, you know what? Tooth and Claw, we support. We're we're LGBTQ. We support our trans friends, allies. Yeah. All right. So there's a example of nature. Nature. I don't know. Doing yeah, doing cool. You stuff. know, it's a natural. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting thing. Nature just being natural. 
Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> That's what it thinks. <laughs> I couldn't think of how to say that. Jeff, do you also have a listener story for us? Yeah, should we do that? Yeah. Okay, I have one listener story. Hey, fellas, been listening to a podcast for a while now and loving it. I have a funny story to share about a camping trip I took with my family back in the 90s when I was about eight or nine. This was a trip to my whole dad's side of the family to either the Sierra Nevadas or Gold Country of California, can't remember which, where there was, of course, black bears. We set up our campsite so that the adults had their own tents. All of us cousins, about seven in total, all under ten, were camping in a big tent together. That's kind of fun. That is fun. After a fun day playing in the woods and nearby river, all of us cousins went to sleep in a big slumber party tent. This night, I shared a sleeping bag with my little boy cousin. Unfortunately, in the middle of the night, I was awoken to the feeling of cold wetness that had slowly permeated our whole bag. Yep, my little cousin had peed in his sleep, now making this bag completely gross, wet, and cold. I looked around the tent for another sleeping bag I could jump into, but all of them were full with sleeping kids. So I had one good option left, my nana, grandma, Louise's tent, which was closest. I sheepishly walked outside, woke her up, asking if I could sleep with her. Being the sweet, sympathetic grandma she was, she let me in and I immediately fell asleep. Maybe 30 minutes later, I woke up with my nana saying, Shoo! Go on, get! Shoo, bear! Go on, get! Pretty good. That's great. There is yeah. shuffling and snuffling noise just outside our tent for a hot minute. I was scared thinking there was literally a black bear outside our tent, and my 75-year-old sweet nana was trying to just shoo it away. I literally thought of a huge... I literally thought a huge black bear was a yard away and there was nothing between us except a wall of the tent bravely or stupidly my nana finally stuck her head outside the tent and began to laugh that's a good sign <laughs> it was my little girl cousin who apparently had also woken up and decided she wanted to leave the big cousin tent too nana let her into the tent and we were all three happily slumbered in the morning no bears present Still cracks me up to this day that my sweet Nana Louise literally tried to shoo away what she thought was a freaking bear from our campsite in the middle of the night and ended up just being my crying four-year-old cousin. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Thanks, guys. I wonder guys. if her cousin's feelings got hurt. <laughs> that's a good story. Uh, Thanks. Keep sending those story. in. Yeah. And you know what? The peeing the bed part. So reminded me, I I didn't ask for permission, so I'm not going to say this listener's name, but they wrote me a message saying that they had a kid who was peeing on the floor in their house, and they immediately thought of me because I told a story of how I peed on the floor like for every night, even though I was right by the bathroom. Yeah. And I was thinking we should have our listeners write in and just tell us embarrassing stories that happened to them as kids that we can share on the podcast. Or to um, their kids. So, toothandclawmailbag at gmail.com. Send us your most embarrassing stories of your kids or you when you're a kid that you're okay with us sharing on the podcast. And if you're not okay with it, change your name so we can share it still. Yeah, thanks. All right, should we do a couple listener questions too, like three? <laughs> I got some good ones, so let's do a few. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. This is Porter Bergman, and he wants to know tacos or burritos. Oh, I'm a burrito guy. Well, it depends. Like, if I'm in Mexico, I want tacos. 
If it's like U.S. Mexican food, I want burritos. I like tacos because you can change up the meat and style and like have some variation. And I'm a big variation guy. Is it true that burritos aren't even like a Mexican? It's like a U.S. invention kind of thing? That's what I've heard. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm a taco guy though, for sure. Taco. (laughs) Taco Tuesday. All right. Dude, that's cocky. You're going to sue us. Yeah, LeBron's going to sue us. Mac M. Mac wants to know, would you still love the listeners if we were worms? Uh, Would we love them more? Yes. No, would we still love the listeners if they were worms? (laughs) Uh, uh, It would be different. I don't think we'd have nearly as good reviews. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think I would, actually. (laughs) Unless they have, like, the same consciousness. But if they're just, like, a normal worm... Like right. I'm not love. I'm never going to love a worm. But no, and also I wouldn't feel like we're really making much of a difference. I don't care. Think about I don't it care this way: though. you guys, I'm not going to love you if you're a worm. You're, if every single I'll one love of our who you were, if one, if every single one of our listeners were worms, we could just cut them all in half and double our listeners, and just keep doing that point. over and over again. It's <laughs> a good point. We'd be the biggest podcast so fast. <laughs> but we do. We love our listeners who aren't worms. Well, Mike's convinced me that I wish we had more worm listeners, though. <laughs> so, I like this one. Who Libby playing with they worm? A uh-huh. said, "Not a question as much as I just want to appreciate that Jeff says in one episode that he has no time for a girlfriend. Then a couple episodes later, when Wes asks him and Mike what he's been up to lately, the answer is playing a game where Kirby eats raspberries. <laughs> Listen." <laughs> We all have our priorities on how we spend our time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I've, it's a fun game. <laughs> that's I'm prepping content for the podcast by like playing those <laughs> games. You know. Yeah. Justin Epps wants to know what's the largest body of water you think you can cross at night just by looking at the stars. Like swimming or in a boat? I think in a boat. I don't know. Not large. I think I could cross any of them. You just need to know. The North Star, and you're good. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm (laughs) not a sailor, so like I can for sure go north. It seems like it's important to know more than that one star, but I don't know enough to tell you. I'm gonna. I I will say enough to like if I was on a boat and no one knew what they were doing at all, I would probably feel comfortable stepping into a role of being like, let's follow that star and just see what happens. But I wouldn't be like confident at all. I'd pretend I am, but I wouldn't be. Let's do one more. Yeah. The other Isabels. Well, what about oh, the finally, first Isabel? Finally, we're tired of the original Isabel. <laughs> yeah. um, Ask, should I text him? Yeah, why not? Life's short, other Isabels. Go for it. I say no. Text him. He sounds like a dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to say no, but just like, because, you know, less is more. There you go. Not always. Always. All right. Well, thanks. Great questions, guys. Great stories. Uh, I want to do a quick conservation corner just before we go. We talked about sharks a bit. I think one of our scariest stories this month was about sharks. A lot of people are in the water during the summer. Shark attacks tend to go up this time of year. I, I just want to briefly say again, this is an animal that we have inflicted insane amounts of harm to like across the species of sharks. There's a number of like, especially the big macro predator sharks that we are just system systematically wiping away from this planet. They are insanely important to their food 
to their ecosystems. They're insanely important to the ocean as a whole. They're incredibly beautiful animals. So this is not an animal that we like. I understand you why love people sharks. Are, I do love sharks. I understand why people <laughs> are based. afraid of them. Um, why don't you marry them? Yeah. I would you love our listeners if they were sharks? I would. Yeah. Not as much, but I'd still love them. I, I stumbled upon this thing called the, uh, it's like a new shark map, an interactive shark map that this um, group called the Florida Panhandle released. And it's like all these little shark fins across the globe that you can click on and you can see the incident that happened, whether or not it was fatal. And it, it highlights all the attacks that have happened in these different places. It's a useful tool for you if you're going swimming somewhere to know, you know, the history of that place. But the thing that I really just wanted that I gained from like reading about and learning about it is that there's only been 3,000 shark attacks with less than 300 fatalities over the past 30 years. That's globally, according to this project. So that's, you know, we, that averages, what, 300 or 100 shark attacks a year for 30 years and 10 fatalities a year is the average for those 30 years. So people in the United States are 50 times more likely to die by a lightning strike, 10 times more likely to die by fireworks, um, even flying commercial airlines, which is considered to be like the safest mode of transportation out there, sees more deaths, a lot more than shark attacks. So this isn't like, I understand the fear. I understand why going in the ocean, a place where we feel so vulnerable is scary and being eaten by something that seems so different from us and like unfeeling, but sharks are, are wonderful, beautiful creatures they have a lot of predictable behaviors. There's a lot that you can do to prevent anything bad from ever happening to you. So let's just give them like the space that they need to continue to live in their ecosystem. That's my pitch. This Love sharks. podcast I listen to, pardon my take, it's a sports podcast that's like silly and whatever. Yeah. But they do like in the sports off season, which is now they do like Mount Rushmore of different things, which is just like a top four. Yeah. And they did Mount Rushmore of the best triangles. And the uh-huh. number one pick was shark dorsal fins was their oh. like first pick. It's a good pick. That those are like the coolest triangles in the whole world. And I have to agree with them. Oh, yeah. Just seeing that triangle go triangle. across yeah. the water. Cooler than <laughs> pyramids? Probably. Or Doritos? Yeah. yeah. And pyramids is kind of controversial because is that triangle or? Yeah. That's a good yeah. Good point. You got to take like one side of a pyramid. Yeah. That you I feel like you got to be kind of running out of stuff to talk about on your podcast. Oh, your yeah. They're very <laughs> open <triangles>. about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, that was just a quick conservation minute. Don't ever eat shark fins. Don't eat sharks unless you know it's from a sustainable shark fishery, which there are there are examples of those in the world, but you got to be really careful. So, all right. I think that's it for this week's episode. Thanks, everyone, for uh, preparing stories, guys. Thank you, guys. And thanks to our listeners that aren't worms. And if you are a worm listener, thanks to you, too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Cultivate yep. that dirt for us. All right. We we love you guys, except the worms. We sure do. I Yeah, I I guess I, I don't love the worms, <laughs> but... I do. <laughs> love right. you. Love you, worms. <laughs> Mike okay. only loves the worm listeners. <laughs> oh, Hit me up. That's from now on when me and Jeff say love you. Mike's going to say love you, worms. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. See you.
Whether you're in a relationship, single, or recently heartbroken, you could be navigating some tough stuff. And it really can be challenging to do this on your own. We all need help when it comes to our relationships, very specifically, our love lives. I'm Jillian, and each week on my podcast, Jillian on Love, I share skills on how to strengthen our relationships, how to build a stronger sense of self, and how to heal heartbreak and choose better partners. Learn how to start making change today and search for Jillian on Love wherever you're listening now.